The promise of adventure drives every RV journey. For those of you looking to launch life's journeys, I welcome all of you to the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV, a leading manufacturer of towable recreational vehicles in the United States. Heartland RV manufactures over 15 brands of fifth wheels, travel trailers, and toy haulers. Heartland RV brands are sold through an independent network of dealers throughout the United States and Canada. No matter how many miles you travel, we all have a story to share about our journey. I'm excited for all of you to learn about today's guest and their life's journey. Journeys while on my own journey. This is what the Where's Willie podcast is all about. The Where's Willie podcast is produced and managed by Jacket Media Co. and is powered by Heartland RV, an American manufacturer of recreational vehicles located in Elkhart, Indiana, which is also a subsidiary of Thor Industries. Heartland also owns Cruiser RV and DRV Luxury Suites. Now, whether you are new to traveling the world one mile at a time, or you've raised a family with thousands of memories made at a campsite, this podcast is all about the people, journeys, and the stories that are shared. So imagine this life's journey. One of my former best friends, a former college and NHL hockey star, Dana Lattery, is now the president and CEO of Fishing Bow River Outfitters, as well as the owner of First Cast, Last Pass Media, a full marketing video agency. And he's located north of Montana in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And he is quickly becoming one of the most sought after fly fishing experience providers around the world. Dana has been featured on the cover of Fly Fusion Magazine, Home Waters for Orvis, Down the Hatch Film Festival, and he continues flying around the world in pursuit of catching and capturing his greatest passions. Dana, it's been a long time. I love you. Man, it's exciting to have you back. So, you know, for everybody listening, because I know you, if you would, just kind of give everybody your background, where you grew up, how the hell you and I met, and what you're doing now today. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. It's funny. It's funny how the world kind of, I guess, the metaphor is that it is round, and oftentimes things come full circle, just as we sit here. And I think having met you and what which I'll talk about in some of the most pivotal years of shaping who I became today, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that you were a huge part in, in that shaping of who I feel I've become today. And for that, I'm forever grateful and definitely miss, miss our time together. And the good old world of uh, time and space has slowly put us apart. But here we are back doing a podcast, ironically talking about life's journeys. So uh, yeah, I grew up in a small town in Alberta, which like you said, is just north of Montana right around Calgary, which is probably our biggest city, that if people have heard of it, they probably refer to the 88 Olympics. And uh, when we hosted it back then, it's a long time since then, uh, but that kind of put Calgary on the map. So I grew up fishing, hunting, and playing hockey. And so hockey kind of became the passion that I started to follow quickly as I started to have more success. And eventually, I obtained a scholarship through 
I guess, hard work of playing the game and trying to go to school and get some academics. And my scholarship took me down to the land of Kalamazoo, which is Western Michigan, uh, where I believe we met pretty quickly after I got down there. So yeah, I, I got a scholarship for hockey and I uh, got to spend four awesome years in Michigan. And people often ask me if I could do it all over again, at what point would I go back to? And it would be uh, the year 2000 in September when we were both freshmen in college. A lot of the Canadian people that would be listening to this aren't going to quite know the experience of the American college other than what they see on TV. It's just not the same up here. So getting to go, being fortunate enough to get in to play hockey and go to school at a, at a great university is definitely one of the highlights of my life. I went on to play pro after that, and then I suffered a career-ending knee injury and kind of throws things into a bit of a tailspin because your whole life you are a hockey player, you're defined as a hockey player, and you're obviously going to play hockey for the rest of your life. So in that moment of something that I didn't control, I had to have a huge reality check, and there was a two or three year span after being sidelined that I, I went through a lot of heartache. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I was a full-on tailspin of depression, but looking back, it was those years where you had to decide if you were going to get off the couch or you were just going to sit there and mope about it because I couldn't change that. And that kind of drove me into a few different jobs, we'll call them careers, and they were just kind of killing time. But I found myself outside and not going to work a lot but spending time in the rivers and spending time out in the mountains hunting and so i knew at one point that that had to become my life because i wouldn't be successful at much else always sacrificing that for getting outside so yeah 11 years ago that's when i turned it into what we can call a job i guess something that sort of pays the bills and you know through that uh being outside you get to see a lot of cool things. And that's kind of where the, the creative side of me came into play. I've always had a passion of making videos and, and, and taking pictures at a very, very amateur level. Uh, back then, there wasn't really cell phones. I enjoyed, probably enjoyed storytelling the most. And so getting to do that through the visual arts of stills and motion. Then I started up First Cast, Last Pass Media. I thought it'd be a really cool thing to parlay into the uh, fly fishing outfitter guiding industry, which, like you said, it's allowed me to go all over the world. And whether I take a fly rod or a camera, I'm catching something. That's kind of where I'm at today. And we can dig into any of those little parts that you would like or go from there. Yeah. So, you know, and again, I can't stop smiling because, you know, what I want all listeners to know is, you know, you and I both worked very, very hard. I mean, I obviously played football, you were hockey, but I think the one thing that I recognize as you gave me credit to as well, you were somebody that never made excuses. So to assume that, you know, all athletes are meatheads, I would default as one, but what you guys don't know is Lats was a pre-med. Uh, so he actually, <laughs> he doesn't yeah. that well. He's very, very intelligent. And it's just exciting to, to your point. We all hit a window on all of our journeys. So whether you're in music, you and I were athletes, 
the road ends, it changes, and we have to move forward and take the principles and what we spent our lifetime doing and apply it into a new effort towards you know our careers. So for me, when it ended, I immediately after college, you know, I worked my way up. Over the last you know 15 years, I was able to work for a privately owned uh, company based in Tokyo, Japan, and traveling the world working for them in automation and manufacturing. That's what ultimately in September 18th of this year brought me to become the national brand manager for Heartland RV. What I have found on my journey in where I'm at today and kind of as I'm looking at the navigation ahead, Heartland RV, we manufacture a vessel, a, a tool that allows people to have experiences, no different than a fly fishing rod, your flight to a given destination. One of the things that I'm embracing within my role is a lot of people say, all right, what's a brand manager? Are you just telling everybody how great the, the RV is? No. What I'm trying to do is connect with as many customers as possible to understand what do they love about the experience and then where are our deficiencies within Heartland so we can make those improvements to create even more positive experiences for people to do what they want to do. Now, understanding the customer base, you know, a lot of people that embrace, you know, going to an outfitter, right? They have all the money. But what they lack is the education and the techniques. A lot of people in the RV world, they've got a lot of money. So they can spend $180,000 on one of these travel trailers. What they don't know is the maintenance. And there's opportunities for us to communicate and teach those things. And I think that what you and I, where we relate really, really well now again, I don't spend my time telling the world, hey, go buy an RV. Ours are the greatest and best. I spend my time understanding how do I create the best experience possible through communication, teaching, education, and information? I would argue that's why so many people are seeking you out. And so it's exciting for me to be reading a publication about the outdoors, and I see an article about you without realizing it was you because you've always been a man's man. I still to this day cannot grow a beard. So to see that you've embrace that same mindset too doesn't surprise me because I think that's what really brought you and I together. We care a lot about people and we want yeah. to you know, help give everybody uh, the best experience possible. So specific to Fishing Bow River Outfitters, what would you say since you've started this company as president and CEO, how have when you started to where it's at today, the experiences that you're providing you know, customers what do you really focus on doing and what actions have you taken to make fishing Bow River Outfitters separate itself from others? Yeah, it's a, it's, that's a great question. I almost feel like you set me up to talk about it because it's something I do love to talk about. To add to something that you said, and you, you kind of touched on it through there, but the not hanging out for... 16 years or whatever it literally feels like yesterday like i know the, the stories that we could tell but <laughs> knowing back then it's like you were you were so full of joy and energy and it was it was magnetizing to be around and the biggest part of that is because you you cared you were an empath and you you constantly cared about your friends and the people around you and to see you now on this journey and what you're doing as a, as a national brand manager it's like, you know, getting to watch your videos that you've been throwing together and just kind of sitting on the outside and just forming an opinion about, you know, which is a social media opinion can be good or bad. Sure. But 
watching you consistently uh, talk about the customers and what do the customers want. And I think more companies need to take a hold of that mentality. And that's to say that is to parlay into, you know, why I branched out onto my own and having worked for other outfitters for the first eight years or seven years of guiding, I got to a point where I asked questions and I encourage everybody to ask questions because that is truly the only way we are going to get an informed decision is to ask questions. And so I constantly ask questions to other guides in the industry. It's like, you know, does your outfitter do this? And these, this, these aren't good things, but do they do this? And do they, yeah, they do. And I remember one guy say to me, you're just going to have to get used to it because that's every outfitter is the same. That's just what they do. They don't pay on time. They don't do this. They don't do that. It's a horrible customer experience from start to finish. And by the time you show up to meet those customers, you're thrown into the piece of the pie too late because the pie is already old and moldy because of the bad experience that the outfitter gave them in this whole booking of the trip. And now you're thrown in there to pick them up take them fishing and spend 10 intimate hours with them. And you probably spend the first three trying to tell them everything's going to be okay and, and whatever. <laughs> so this bad customer experience I kept noticing. And I was like, this can't be, this literally cannot be okay. So okay that everybody says, dude, just get used to it. It's just the way it is. It's part of the job and blah, blah, blah. And so three years ago now, when I completely branched off onto my own and started with Fly Fishing Bow River, it was out of a necessity of things that I felt lacked. And the, the biggest thing that we've done since then, and it was kind of one of these, like, you know, you could say a big beard and burly, whatever, but it's like we set out to hashtag and trend the love people. It's not catch big brown trout. It's not catch rainbow trout. It's literally love people because our, our job, our role to what I truly believe it is, is to love people all day, all day, all through the, the day they book to the day they get in the river and then anything they need from us after that. And I grabbed a couple of guys that were new into guiding and I said, you can come with me or you can stay where you are, but I, I want to change the industry. I want to change the way that the perception is. And all these things that I've been told where it's like, it's just the way it is. I said, it, it won't, it won't be. And, and I might fail because I tried to change something that is unchangeable, but, but that's not, that's not the case. We've noticed over the past three years that it's what people want. And when right. you come spend the time with us, it's your experience that yeah, fish, fish are why we're there. It's a, it's a fishing trip. I get it, but we can't always control that stuff. But what we can control, like you're doing, is the user experience, the customer experience, and we're just gonna we're just gonna love on people all day. And it's a bit foofy for the industry, um, but here we are, and I think we're we're doing well, and it's fun. It's fun. It fulfills me, so I'm okay with the the outcome and the results. And so far, they've been good, so I think it's working. That's awesome. So, you know, one of the things too, Dana, that, you know, I wonder because my experience of fishing growing up, unfortunately, with my father was we'd go to Sam's Club and say, all right, what do you want? Tilapia, salmon, pick yeah. it up. Yeah. So, there. So, so for a lot of people that, you know, have not had the experience of fly fishing, 
you know, there's people that have done charter boats where basically, you know, you fill a cooler, you get buzzed up and you're just trucking along on a boat. Can you just describe for our viewers and listeners what you believe to be different with fly fishing versus just a regular, you know, cast or, you know, another type of fishing experience? I do believe that it's unique and I would like yeah. your viewpoint on to what makes it so unique. Yeah. So this isn't a this is good and this is bad opinion. It's just kind of defining the two kind of roles of if you were to go fishing and take a guide per se. A lot of deep sea charters are merry-go-round, so you just get on and enjoy the ride, and you get handed a rod, and you and you fight the fish, and you bring them in, and whatever. The fly fishing aspect is that the guide can only do so much because. I'm putting a device in your hand that is really hard to properly cast. So there's a, a skill level that needs to come with fly fishing. And so with that, there's a very snooty attitude or perception around fly fishing because it's hard. It's hard to, first of all, just cast the rod. If you can't cast the rod, you can't get flies out to the fish. So it's probably not going to catch fish. So in our outfitting and guiding, what we do is we have two people on a boat and we're the guide in the middle of the boat. So we're rowing all day and the people are fishing. So we try to take away a lot of the work as far as getting super far out there, we can move our boat over. But it's a very intimate experience because it's the three of us on the boat. I have to coach the clients through everything and so basically, I need to fish through them with my verbal cues, and it requires a lot of patience. And sometimes it clicks really quick with people, and sometimes it doesn't click. Having said that, a lot of people are nervous to take a fly fishing guided trip because they've never done it before. Well, that's where we go into mode of guiding. you got to teach people. And so we, we love that part of it. We love the teaching the people, but a lot of it is on the angler because we got to get you to cast we got to get you to properly drift a fly so there's all these elements that we can't do for them but we have to patiently continue to talk them through it and sometimes you feel like you've been talking for 12 hours and it's only been 20 minutes and it's like oh my goodness how is this ever going to work but our our job is to not quit on the people is to stick with them all day so there's that part of it and then there's the fishing part of it so instead of gear fishing or bait fishing we're literally using artificial hair foam uh, materials you can buy at a craft store and we're trying to trick those fish into eating it so that's the ultimate right we're not challenging them or getting predatorial strikes we're telling them this is super good piece of food here and come up and eat it expose yourself be vulnerable and then try to eat this. Well, their purpose in life is to survive, so not be eaten by other fish. Uh, they have to eat, and they have to reproduce. So they, there's three things they got to do, and we're taking two of those where we're forcing them to come up to a, the surface where birds and predators will come after them, so they're vulnerable, and then to tricking them into eating something that they do all day, every single day. So when you really look at it, fly fishing is stupid like it's it's like your worst odds of of catching fish but that's probably why it's so addictive and then 
for us, it's to take this this fear out of it and to tell people, hey, we can teach you, we can walk you through this, and we can make it not so daunting. But that's the experience. That's the loving on the people. Because if you don't have that mentality and somebody can't fish, you write them off, they've wasted their money, and you probably don't get a lot of people coming back. But that's, that's the experience end of it with fly fishing in that very intimate setting that we create for them. Now, Dana, one of the things that I know that customers would want to know too, just like when they go camping, if our listeners say, hey, you know what, we really want to get to know you know, Mr. Lattery and Fishing Bow River Outfitters, and we would love to go up there. What does a typical, I guess, trip look like? I mean, is it like a three-day trip? Is it a five-day? Does it vary? How How do, just so the viewers and, and listeners, and even myself included, understand, hey, when I go to your website, what am I signing up for? In a day, two days, three days? Is there camping? Maybe some people would RV up there. I don't know. But can you just kind of outline what a, I guess, a trip would look like if somebody wanted to schedule something with you yeah so there's multifaceted ways of doing it uh, okay. a lot of people in calgary were about 40 minutes from banff banff is a huge okay. tourist place and yep. the mountains are right there it's, it's, it's gorgeous so a lot of people are tourists and they're traveling through they fly to calgary they go to banff everybody thinks banff's where the fishing's at it's not so don't confuse that <laughs> It's actually in the city of Calgary where the Bow River is. And it's incredible because it's one of three rivers in the world that flow through a city of a million people that is actually a good fishery. And so it's it's probably one of the top two or three fisheries, trout fisheries in the world. And it's crazy because people are like, you're literally fishing through downtown or whatever. So it's a, it's a very unique thing. We also have the ability in the RV in sense, and a lot of people do this, is they'll come up here, they'll travel through Banff and they'll head down to Southern Alberta, which is still in the Rockies and it's breathtakingly gorgeous. And they'll camp down there and there's a lot of rivers there. And so we'll meet them there as their guided trip and we'll take them out for the day and explore those rivers. So some people come for a day, we have day trips, you just down and back eight to 10 hours, bring you back to the spot we picked you up. A lot of people that come up from your guys' area, they'll look at doing two or three or four or five days and we can definitely manage all of that. And now we don't go for five straight days on the boat. Okay. So we, we go, they're, they're basically day trips that are put together. Uh, but having said that, uh, we do have an RV and we do overnight trips into the mountains. So we'll take the RV down, we'll set up camp, and then those are a, a minimum of three days, just the work to get set up. And then we also do overnight trips on the Bow River where we pack everything into our drift boats and we fish for the day and then we set up camp on shore. And then we get back in the boat in the morning and then we take off. So there's a, there's a, it's, it's super custom. Some people want a half day and I highly discourage that because you could be on the wrong half of the day and you know we all know fishing it turns on and off and it's like i personally we offer the half day but i don't like it and i really try to talk people out of it because i don't think that i can properly give them that full experience sometimes you got to be out there all day and that things start to happen later in the day or or vice versa but it's totally customizable the really cool thing about where we are is I talked about it and it's Calgary. It's an international airport. I know last year flights coming in from Boston were like 225 return. 
and they they got there there was no layovers in that flight so they were direct in boston to calgary so a lot of people would fly in thursday night this is pre-pandemic when our borders were open they'd fly to calgary on a thursday night so they'd take half day off thursday and they would fish friday saturday and then they would do a half day on Sunday. And then after we were done, we would drive them 15 minutes from the river to the airport. They'd be home Sunday night. And basically, they didn't miss, miss anything at all. Why that was so cool was because a lot of the other rivers, really popular spots like Montana and whatnot, you were taking two or three flights to get to a small town. And then you had to rent a car and drive up somewhere uh, where having the fishery we have in a city of a million and a half people and the fact that you can fly right there, I, I literally could pick you up at the airport and put the boat in 15 minutes later and you could be hooked into a trophy brown trout with the uh, Ikea in the backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true uh, story. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's great to know that, you know, everybody listening, if you want more information, of course, pre-pandemic and now we're going to be predicting post-pandemic when things will open back up and you'll be able to start having these experiences again. In the meantime, again, with your leadership and your vision of recognizing how to, you know, teach, educate, and provide some entertainment, I see that you have a podcast. I see that, you know, on the social, I see a lot of actual retail opportunities that you are providing people with where you're making flies and things like that. So what else are you doing, uh, you and your team, outside of the experiences that, again, were at the mercy of the pandemic. So in between now and then, if people really want to just stay engaged and get to know you and follow you, what social platforms are you on? And then what are the retail things that, you know, the fly fishing enthusiasts would love to know about that you guys are offering? Yeah. So why you've seen these things is because being a fishing guide is not, it's a lifestyle. It's not a living because Right now it's uh, minus 20 out, which is Celsius. So you're probably at like two degrees Fahrenheit. Obviously we're unable to keep guiding through the winter months. So in most spots you have a very short season. And so for us, it's typically the high season is July, August, September. We do have October as a shoulder season and we do have April, May, you know, spring. But so it's really hard to make a living. You can't, it's, it's very few people can actually say, I am a fly fishing guy because you have to have other jobs throughout the winter. And it's, it's tough. It, it, it's not this glamorous, like rolling in the dough. It's a lifestyle, something we chose because maybe it chose us and we just followed into it and, and, and sure. love it so much we can't get out of it. But so what we've done is tried to add more pieces to our pie. So we have our guiding aspect. We have our films that we'll do. So we'll do fly fishing films. The other thing that we've started, and we did this three years ago, was it's called Thursday Night Live Fly Time. And so what that is, is a show that we produce in our studio here where I am right now. And you can tune in. It's totally free. It's on Facebook. And... It's a live event, so we've, we're about two hours, and we'll tie a couple flies, and people can sit there and make fun of us or chirp us or engage with us. However, it's a very interactive show. And so tying these flies, what we did three years ago is we started this at a brewery, and our purpose for starting it was to gather people that were intimidated in the fly fishing world. 
So we were neutral from any kind of retail store. And we just went to a brewery because uh, who doesn't like some craft beer and to sit down with like-minded <laughs> people and just kind of hang out. So we, I remember our first episode. So we, we do 20 episodes in a season. And so we're on season three right now. But season one, episode one, there was like two people that came to the brewery. Tim, one of our guides, he was leading the, the fly time. And I was producing the whole show. And, and I think we had like three people watching online. And there was like, wow, this is not good. And so, but we just kept at it. And we put 20 some episodes together that week and then, or that season. And then the next season, we came back stronger and we got our following grew and grew. And then the, the real big thing was during the pandemic, the first kind of March, April thing is people didn't have anything to do. And so they started really tuning into the show and it kind of gave people an escape from the humdrum locked in your basement or whatever your rules were at the time. So what we did this year on the retail side of that is because before we were donating all the material to everybody who came and joined us. It was totally free. It was our give back to the community. And so we got 25 to 30 people who would start coming to the brewery. We would give them little packages of material to tie those flies, our gift to them. And so we, in March and April, when we were finishing last season, so many people started tuning in and Americans and people out East Canada and, and people that weren't local to us and they wanted to get these material bags and so we thought, wow, we don't have the time or the resources to put all that together right now. But for season three, what we did is we packaged all the material for every single episode. And so, and now we're, we're selling them. So people, wherever they are, they can tune in, they can open up their package, all the materials there, they can tie their flies. And so it's just really creating a community that is larger than our, our geographical Calgary area. And so that's pretty cool. And so that's kind of what you've probably been seeing is the opportunity to, to buy these kits and to, to be able to join us on Thursday Night Live. Awesome. So for all of our listeners, you know, anybody that, you know, on their life's journey wants to make uh, fly fishing part of it, if you're an enthusiast, if you're somebody that's inquiring or somebody like me that didn't grow up doing it, there's a lot to be learned. So maybe before this pandemic takes off, if any of you listeners would want more information. Dana, what's the best way for them to find out about Fishing Bow River Outfitters on social and your web? Yeah, so the website is flyfishingbowriver.com. The Instagram is flyfishingbowriver, or my Instagram is firstcastlastpass. Uh, there's a somewhat of a bearded picture on there. You'll you'll recognize that. Either channels, just reach out to us. This isn't a a monetization advertisement it is literally just an offer to anybody who's curious about fly fishing wants to know more uh, a lot of people don't live anywhere near us and they keep in contact with us asking questions anything that we can do to help make people their time on the water more successful more fun definitely we're just here to have conversations and that that is not a cost it is just uh, a part of uh, loving on people and speaking of loving on people, it's been 16 years. I still love you. You're one of my best yeah. buddies. 
forever. Dana, I want to thank you so much for taking time to share your life's journey today on the Where's Willie podcast. Again, produced and managed by Jacket Media Co. and powered by Heartland RV. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and your support. If you want to share your life's journey with us or you know somebody that would, please go to Where'sWillyPodcast.com and complete the guest registration form. Again, anyone that is looking for an amazing experience or amazing humans, uh, go check out Dana Lattery and also go check out Fishing Bow River Outfitters. I love you forever. Dana, thank you so much for being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast. Thanks, brother. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit Where'sWillyPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie P-O-D. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.